wonderful singing together, isn't it? It's wonderful to be here together this morning. Thank you so much for being with us, either in person or online. And we're especially thankful for those who are visiting with us, as well as our new Christians and our new members. Wonderful to be uh, worshiping together and fellowshipping together this morning. Have you heard the African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. You want to go far, go together. I came across that recently, and I thought, that says something. That, that, there's something there that uh, I think we can learn from. You know, the Lord's Church began 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. And if we could somehow stick our head back in time and see how they did it, What were their practices? What were their beliefs? Why did they do what they did? And what did they do? And why were they the way they were? Then we would know how we could do the same thing, how we could be just like they were. They were together, we're going to see, and they went far together. And it's because they were together and went far that we can be in the Lord's church today. And in fact, we can stick our heads back in time and see what they believed and what they did and why they did it. We can look in the book of Acts where we learn about the very beginning of the Lord's church and their practices and God's work through the apostles and uh, the believers to establish and grow His church. And so we're going to look at uh, the early church this morning As we talk about my church family, after I believe, after I become a Christian, I'm I'm added to the body of Christ, to the Lord's church, and into a local congregation of His church, a local body, so that I can participate in all of the blessings that the Lord's church provides. It's the way He designed it. God intended for us to be members of a local congregation of His church. So... If we want to be New Testament Christians, we need to study what New Testament Christians believed and did. That makes sense, doesn't it? If we want to be like them, we need to study who they were and what they were like, what they believed. And that will teach us about our own church family today. How we're supposed to understand and and live in and dwell among our church family today that God has blessed us with. And this is important because we need to know how we're supposed to do this after we believe, after we become Christians. As I've said, we we talk a lot, and rightly so, about how to become a Christian. And we always will. But we also need to spend time studying, what do I do after I become a Christian? You know, so often people become Christians and they're just kind of left alone. We work hard to get them... uh, Uh, baptize and get them uh, in the Lord's church and then then they're just kind of left alone. We need to help people grow and then those of us who've been Christians for a while, we need some reminders, don't we? And sometimes there's some things that we've maybe missed on, that we've gotten off track on, that we have uh, uh, gotten weak on and we need reminders of, oh yeah, that's how I'm supposed to be in the Lord's church. So in Acts chapter 2, we find this newly formed community of believers. Nothing like this had ever existed before. They shared this common bond in Christ, even though 
uh, uh, they came from different cultures and from different places. Now, they were all Jewish, and they had that same heritage. But Acts, in Acts, it, we're told, Luke tells us, they came from all over. So there were different uh, uh, cultural customs depending on where they lived and families and all that. There were a lot of differences among them, even though they were all Jewish. And so they were strangers when they first came together, weren't they? They assembled there on Pentecost, but how many, out of all those thousands of people, there were most of the folks, they didn't know they were complete strangers. Certainly they would see some that they would get to know over the years that came from afar every year, but they were essentially all strangers until they became Christians. And then on that day, everything changed. On the day of Pentecost, everything changed. All of a sudden now they're united in this common bond in Christ, in His church. And so the world had never seen anything like this before. Nothing like this had ever happened before. This was new. This was different. And this was the Lord's church that we read about in the Bible. And that's who we claim we're trying to be. That, that's all we want to be. We don't want to be anything else, anyone else. We just want to read who were they and what did they believe and what did they do. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to believe. That's how we want to live. We just want to be the church you read about in your Bible. So when they became Christians, when this new community was formed there in Acts chapter 2 on that day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that first gospel message and thousands were baptized, that they began to care for one another immediately. Out of all these differences and all these different uh, uh, places that they came from, they begin to love one another and care for one another and look after one another. Listen to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What is the first thing we learn here in verse 42? about the early church. The first thing we learn is that they were devoted. Do you see that in Scripture? That's the first thing we see right there when, when, when Luke begins to describe this church, this new community, this new thing in Christ, His church being established. And tonight we're going to talk about kingdom, what the, that word means, that we learn they were devoted now, what were they devoted to? We see they were devoted to these four different things. They weren't devoted to their own agendas. They weren't devoted to their own selfish interests. They weren't devoted to what, who the more powerful or more wealthy wanted. They weren't devoted to whatever the cultural uh, 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 priority of the day was. They were devoted to these four things. And that tells us in our church family today, these are the things to be devoted to. Look at what Luke tells us. They were first devoted to the apostles' teaching. Devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, you've got to understand, they didn't have the New Testament back then like we have it today. 
It would still be years before the New Testament would be completed and given to us in written form. And so Jesus uh, uh, had the 12 apostles, the disciples with him. He taught them everything they needed to know. And he said, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And he's going to guide you in all truth to help you remember everything I've taught you. And then he sent his apostles out so that they could teach others. And that's the way God designed it, that the, the 12 apostles would be the authority. They would be the ones teaching the church Jesus' teachings. That's the way God set that up. And then when the Word came, when the Word was completed, then we had the Word of God to follow, which was God's Word delivered through Christ to us and for us. Okay? And so there's no more apostles anymore. No matter what anybody claims, there are no more apostles. When the last apostle died, that was it. There were no more. Now we have his word, and that's where we go. And in his word, we read what the apostles taught the early church, and that's what Jesus taught them to teach the early church. And so we just continue that faith and pass it on to do it the way they did it in the New Testament. So notice that the Lord's church doesn't follow someone else's word. The Lord's church only follows the word of God, not the word of a religious authority, not the word of what was voted on at the general conference uh, every year, not the word of uh, uh, whatever author, not the word of someone else or something else. The word of God is what the Lord's church follows. And then they were devoted, secondly, to the fellowship. They were devoted to the fellowship. Now that's important because most of you have heard the Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. And so we, we know if you start looking at that word's use in the New Testament, it means a lot of different things. In other words, it, it, it carries with it a lot of uh, different nuance. It's used in different ways throughout Scripture. Uh, it can mean to have in common. It can mean to, to partner. Koinonia or fellowship can mean that, uh, the, talk about the common bond that we have with one another. It can also mean communion. And it can also mean contribution. In other words, these are the many ways in which we fellowship with one another. Uh, one translation depicts it that these are the various ways that Christians share life together. That's what that word fellowship means. So we love the fifth Sunday fellowship meals, and, and, and we've got to make sure we don't mistake that, that that's what fellowship is. Fellowship happens then, and we see in the New Testament church, and in fact in verse 46, that they ate meals together in their homes because meals bring us together and get us talking, don't they? Get us laughing and sharing life together. So that's important. But it's important to understand that that's not the only way we fellowship. We fellowship in all these other different ways as we live life together in this new community, the Lord's Church. Now, the next thing they were devoted to was the breaking of bread. Now, this phrase is also used in verse 46, as I said, but in verse 46 it's used differently because it's talking about just getting together and eating meals together. And so you can tell that by the context. Right here in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, uh, Luke is telling us what the church did. These were the practices of the early church when it came to worship. These are the things that they did. They break bread. And so in verse 42, uh, Luke is describing for us communion, which we just 
took part in. That's what he's talking about. We broke bread together. And now, there are many churches who are practicing things like uh, Lent and Ash Wednesday and other, other practices and customs. And uh, you might ask, should we? Should we practice those? Where those come from? And, and, and are those good? And what, what do they mean? And, 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 and I'll be honest with you, some of those kinds of practices, if you look at uh, uh, where they came from and the reason why, you know, I can appreciate the sentiment. I, I really can. But that doesn't mean that's what Scripture guides us to do. In fact, there's one thing that we're told to practice like this, to, to observe, uh, if you would, some kind of ceremony uh, in the Lord's church. And that is when Jesus was with his disciples in that upper room before he would be arrested and crucified. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, 18 through 20, that he took bread and blessed it. And he passed it around and he broke it and gave it to his apostles. And what did he say? This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he did the same thing with the cup. So communion is what Jesus told us to do to remember him. That's what he told us to do. He didn't tell us to do some of these other things. And while I can, I can have a certain level of appreciation for the, some meaning behind some things, that doesn't mean that's what we're directed to do from New Testament Scripture. And so what we are told to do clearly is to, I want you to do this. I, here's what I want you to remember. Here's what I want you to practice. I want you to practice communion. Because that remembers, causes you to remember me shedding my blood, my innocent blood on the cross and my body hanging on the cross for your sins. I want you to remember the price I'm paying for your sins, for your salvation. So Jesus focuses all of our thought, all of our uh, efforts, all of our time when it comes to that type of ceremony, if you will, on remembering the sacrifice that he gave for our salvation. That's how important that is. And that's why he told us to practice that one thing. And that's why we practice communion this morning, just like they did back then on the first day of the week. In fact, Paul explained in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 24, you can look at that, that Jesus passed on communion to the apostles and then the apostles passed on communion to the church. That's amazing to see. And they don't describe other things. They describe passing on communion to the church. And so we see that the first Christians participated in communion. And that's why we participate in communion today. And then finally, the fourth thing is that Luke tells us that they were devoted to the prayers. Prayer, as we've studied in the last few weeks, is essential to the life of the church and to the life of the, the individual Christian. And we've got to be uh, pray, full of prayer and, and devoted to prayer in our personal lives and also when we come together for worship. So the first Christians were devoted to these practices. Why? Because they were devoted to Jesus. And when they were, because they were devoted to Jesus, they did the things that Jesus wanted them to practice and observe in his church when they came together to worship. But what about relationships in this new church, in this new community, this, the church 
that Jesus established on this day? What do we learn about relationships? Well, we find in in chapter 2, 42, through the rest of these verses here, this passage here, that there are, some, there are four marks of this community of believers. That, that the church is a place where we love one another. Look at verse 42. Going back to the idea of fellowship, they were devoted to one another, to, to the fellowship of one another. They were devoted to the fellowship. There was love for one another. So there was a devotion to being together and and fellowshipping in all the different meanings and ways that that word koinonia means and implies. They were devoted to that. There has to be a love for one another. So as we said in koinonia, it lets us know that it means far more than just fifth Sunday fellowships. And you have to love one another to be devoted to one another in all of those different ways in fellowship. And there's going to be times where we bump heads and step on toes and, and, and put our feet in our mouth. There's going to be times when we do that because that's what happens in family, right? Well, this is a spiritual family. And there's going to be times where it's good and there's going to be times when it's difficult. There's going to be times of mourning and times of rejoicing as we do life together. But what we see is that a mark of the Lord's church in terms of relationships in the church is that there's a devotion to fellowship and that means loving one another. A devotion to loving one another. And then there's a devotion to knowing one another. The church is a place where we know one another. In other words, you need to let yourself be known. You need to let people inside. And you need to be interested in the lives of other people as well. We need to get to know one another. Now, many of you have been here together all all of your lives and you're related. And you're like, I know too much about you. (laughs) You know, (laughs) don't get me started talking about so-and-so. But you know each other. And so we've got to be willing to let one another know each other. Look at verse 44. All who believed were together and had all things in common. There was a commonality that they had with one another. They shared, they talked, and they got to know each other behind, uh, beyond, Hi, how are you? Good, 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 good. <laughs> you know how we do. The church is a place where you're supposed to be able to be yourself. Where you're able to to get to know others. And guess what? When you learn things about one another, when you share with one another, because there's a close relationship with one another, that knowledge isn't there to wound one another. That knowledge is there to help, help them heal, to help them grow, to help them know that they found somebody else who's been there, done that too. Who's going through life just like they are. When you get to know one another and they get to know you, that makes things altogether different in the Lord's church. That's a different level of fellowship in the Lord's church. It's a place to know one another. And next, it's a place to serve one another. Look at verse 45. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds as any had need. Now, when you first read that, you think, oh, well, we haven't been doing that. I guess we need to get busy doing that or how are we supposed to survive if that's how we live i don't get it we but what we see what if we boil it down what we see is a spirit of giving and caring for one another 
That's what that is. It's a spirit of giving and caring for one another. Now, Luke is not saying they were required to do this, that they were required to go sell everything they had and give it to somebody else. That wasn't a requirement. What Luke describes is that's what some people were doing, those who were able to do that. They were doing that. Now, it's, this is really interesting to me. It's very likely that these Jewish folks from all over who came to Jerusalem for Pentecost were still there at this time and were there until the events of Acts chapter 8 when Stephen was stoned in chapter 7 and then what do we see happen in chapter 8? After that, there was great persecution that broke out in the church and they scattered to where? Judea and Samaria. Because if you go back to the beginning of Acts, and we're going to look at some of this tonight, Jesus told the apostles to do what? Stay in Jerusalem until you receive power. And then you will be my witnesses, verse 8, in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all over the world. Well, in Acts chapter 2 is when, that's why Jesus wanted them to stay there, because that's when the power of the Holy Spirit came on them as tongues of fire on the apostles to confirm Jesus is doing something. This is it right now. This is the fulfillment of the prophecy of, of the Lord's church coming, the kingdom, which we're looking at tonight. And then they stayed there in Jerusalem and, until persecution took place and many except the apostles, the Bible says, uh, scattered to Judea and Samaria where they continued teaching the gospel. Now, if they, all these people had traveled from other places to Jerusalem and they were there for that length of time, and I don't know exactly how much time that was, what happens after a while and you've been traveling? All of a sudden, you're out of clean clothes, right? All of a sudden, you start thinking, ooh, man, we got to get some gas, we got to get some food. Right? You don't have unlimited resources to just be gone the whole time. And so eventually, people started having needs, right? So it's very likely that that's why that was happening at that time, because of all these new Christians who had traveled from afar, who were still there at that time, and people began to have needs as time went on before the events of Acts chapter 8. And so they began to say, well, look, I can go sell this and, and get something, and that way we can, we can have a meal together tonight. Does that make sense? We can help one another. And so if we look at it, we, what we see is a spirit of giving and caring for one another, looking out for one another, helping others in their time of need, being there for one another in various ways, not just financially, but in every way possible. And then next we see that the church is a place where we enjoy one another, where we enjoy one another. Look at verse 46 through 47. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, see that's the fellowship meal, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the num their number day by day those who were being saved. So look at how Luke 
uh, finishes his description of the early church. They had just begun, and he said, this is how they lived. This is what the church family was like. And if we stick our heads back in time and see that, and we say, well, that means that's how our church should be. My church family today should be. We should enjoy one another. We should enjoy being together. They knew that their souls had been saved, and they were eternally grateful for that. And so that joy never ended in their hearts. And they came together and they, were, they, were, they had the common bond of salvation in Christ. They may have had every other kind of difference in their lives, but that was their common bond. And they could enjoy life together. They didn't merely endure one another you know, some people, you got to endure them sometimes. All of us, right? we got to endure one another sometimes. Hopefully, most of the time, we get to enjoy one another. They didn't just endure one another. They enjoyed one another. So what's interesting that Luke points out is their lifestyle and their attitude and their, their, the life in this new community of faith, this church, did not go unnoticed by those who were outside of the church. Do you see that? They were noticing, look at those people. They enjoy being together. They care for one another. They're, they're spending time together. They're devoted to these teachings of Jesus and worshiping him. They're always together. And that attracted people to the Lord's church. And we see that when they went and preached, when they were scattered in Acts chapter 8, more and more people continued to obey the gospel. And that was the acts of uh, the Holy Spirit, the acts of the church, that's what the church, uh, book of Acts tells us about. Now, it's interesting because back in John 13, 35, what did Jesus say to his disciples? By this, all people will know, what? That you are my disciples if you have love for another, one for another. Isn't that interesting? And then when we look back and see what was their church family like, they were practicing what Jesus told them to practice. And then we see that when they did that, everyone else said, those must be the people who follow Jesus. Because look at how they live with one another. Look at how they act. Look at their lifestyles. Look at their joy for Jesus. So you might be asking, well, how, how do I make sure I experience that? How, how do I make sure I have that same experience in my church family? And I would say one thing. I would say be all in. Be fully engaged. I would say don't just attend. We're, we're not just looking for attenders. We want people to be fully engaged not just here all the time, not just here sometimes, but, but all in, fully engaged in the life of the Lord's church. That's what, we, uh, that's what we want for each of you, and that's what God has called us to do in our church family. So here's what I want to challenge uh, everyone with, these goals. I want to challenge you with these goals in our church family. First is attend. Now, I put attend on there because that word is more familiar to us. But what I really mean is engage. Be all in engaged in the life of the church. That's what I mean by that. So, so be here all the time. Now, I understand there's different 
physical limitations and things like that. I'm not, I'm not trying to get into that or, or, or any of that. I'm just saying, I'm putting a goal out there to be fully engaged. To be here all the time. Why not? Be here, be here all the time. And I, I understand, you know, some different things. But I'm saying, be fully engaged. Be all in. Be in a small group, actively involved in a small group. Be involved in at least one ministry. You don't have to be in every ministry. Be involved in at least one ministry. It doesn't have to be something you do every day. But now, when I say ministry up here, that's a ministry I'm kind of referring to, ministries of the church. But don't forget, you still have your ministry as a Christian to share your faith and to reach people who are outside of the church and to serve others, to be salt and light in the community. So that's all-encompassing when I say that ministry. Study your Bible every day. Don't read it. Study it. There's a difference. Get, get in it. Pray every day. Invite others to church. Be someone who unifies, who helps bring us together, who helps maintain that spirit of unity and the bond of peace. And give. See, when I'm all in, I want to support the work of the church and some things are free and some things aren't and there's different things that we want to do. And the more I give and the more generous I can be and the more I can participate in that quantity of fellowship through my contribution, then the more this congregation is able to do for the glory of God to reach lost souls. The more we're able to do. What if we're able to do this? But what is our actual potential in this congregation? Who knows how high? Who knows? Well, someone might say, well, I don't have just tons of money to give. But you have something you can give. And so, and so there are people who have great means to do a great amount. But there are some who can't, but they're doing something. They're doing what they can. And that matters and helps push us forward more towards the things we're able to do for God for His glory, to reach lost souls. Now, Paul wrote in Ephesians 2.19 as we close. This is, a, this is a great passage that he wrote. I'm kind of just jumping in on the sentence. It's part of the sentence. You can read the whole context there. And he's talking about Gentiles being welcomed into the church. But Ephesians 2.19, we see that after we believe, and we would be the Gentiles, by the way, by the way, Paul writes, we are no longer strangers and aliens, outside of Christ in other words, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members. That's the same thing. He's being redundant. They're the saints and members of the household of God. What's he saying? He's saying we're a family. He's saying we're a church family. After you believe, when you obey the gospel, you put on Christ in baptism, you've, you've turned your life towards him, you're a member of the family of God in his household. And he is our king and we serve and worship him. And we're all in devoted to the work of the Lord, to worship him, to serve him and to glorify him in every possible way. And at the Bullard Church of Christ, that's the kind of church we want to be. We want to open the pages of Scripture and see, oh, that's who they were. That's what they believed. That's what they did. Well, that's who we are. And we want to always be that church that you read about in the Bible. Why? Because that's when, verse 47 of Acts chapter 2, and day by day people were being added to the church such as would be saved. So you want to bring people to Christ? 
then we be the church that God would have us to be and do what God would have us to do. And what a wonderful church family that is. That's a vibrant, thriving church family. And that's who we are and who we always want to be. If we can pray for you and encourage you this morning, help you get maybe back on track in your faith. Maybe you hadn't been focused on uh, and as diligent and as strong in your faith and, and your efforts as you'd like to be. Maybe you're, you're saying, man, I want to be in that household. I want to be in that church family. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to turn my life over to Christ. You can be baptized this morning. We invite you to come forward and, as we sing, uh, stand and sing. I was thinking deep in sin.